Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Um, we're going to carry on in our series on mission. Um, so we had a break from that last week with our baptisms, and we're picking up where we left off, looking at the priority of mission. So when we looked at the scope, that's what we were called to do, um, and the channel and resources, how we do it. And so today, it's how do we make mission our priority? So maybe for you, you've been listening to this series, and mission has been um, something that's in your head, and today what we're going after is that Holy Spirit uh, revelation that gets mission to come out of, out of our hearts, um, to be our priority in our everyday living. Um, When you fall in love with somebody, you um, get to know them, and then the things that they are passionate about slowly become your passion. You choose to love what they love. You want to prioritize what they prioritize. You want to find out what makes their heart beat. Um, And for me and Neil, we've got a few examples that I'm going to share for this. The first one, I think, has got to be in-laws. You have to love one another's in-laws, so I'm here today. Um, And... Secondly, two, two practical things. Um, Neil, when we got together, had a passion for the nation of Turkey. Um, and over time, that has become my passion. For me, I came, when, when I met Neil, my passion was youth work. Um, and you know, that's rubbed off on Neil over time. So today, we're looking at God's priority for mission and how, as we love God, that becomes our priority as well. So today is in three parts. Firstly, God's priority Secondly, our priority. And finally, the challenge of the priority. So firstly, how can we be convinced that it is God's priority um, to love people, um, that people are his priority, that the lost are God's priority? Well, we know that they are God's priority because of the great story of humanity and the way that God has pursued man right from the beginning of time. We're told, aren't we, in Scripture, that we're made in God's image. And then when we rejected God, it broke his heart. But we know that God continued to want to walk with us as people. He pursued us. He didn't give up on us. And he was patient with us as a people. It all starts with a wedding proposal. Scripture talks a lot about um, the church being God's bride. And Revelation 21 gives us a clear picture from John that one day a wedding will take place between us, his people, and God. So let's have a look at that verse from Revelation 21. It's on the screen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And the old order has passed away. So as the church, we are the bride of Christ. Now, I love weddings as being part of Mosaic for quite a while now. um, I love it when we get a family wedding um, and the preparation that goes into that. And you see two people that love each other and love God. They've kept the privileges of living together and sleeping together. They've kept those sacred. And then they come together before God and make their vows. And it's such a wonderful celebration, isn't it? And the preparation that goes into that, I mean... I have planned a wedding, but it's, it's intense. And I think it's fair to say that the bride often will have a bit more preparation to do, and her beauty preparations may start 
quite, quite early on, um, and every detail of her dress and accessories, everything is planned to the last detail and specifically chosen. I remember the day that I really got it, if you like. The Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of what it meant that we, were, we are the bride of the church. And I was 17 years old, and um, I'd gone away for the first time, I think, from home on, on a beach mission in Newquay. And um, as part of our training, there was this preacher, and he was very passionate about the church. He was very funny, which makes it very memorable to me. But he spoke with passion about the church being the bride of Christ. Um, so let's remember the royal wedding. Cast your mind back. Um, as the whole nation held their breath as Kate Middleton came down the aisle. And I don't know if you remember this, but when Will mouthed the words, I love you, to Kate. And the whole nation lip-read, lip-read that. See, my, this preacher, when I was 17, he was saying, you wouldn't go to a wedding and stare at the groom and not appreciate the bride. Like, that would be a bit weird and a bit rude. Um, if I'm at a wedding, it's more often than not the bride that takes my breath away, and it's her that I am fixed on. I gasped at the beauty of the bride in her stunning white dress, gloriously prepared for her groom. And the church is God's bride. That's us as Mosaic. And when he returns, it will be for a glorious, glowing, pure beautiful bride. So when we say yes to Jesus, we are accepting that wedding proposal and becoming his bride. And the church, the bride, is the hope for the world, clusters of his family all over the globe, being his hands, being his feet on the earth. So if the global population is now just over 7 billion, if the world was 100 people, 33 would be Christians, leaving the rest um, not yet. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a quote that says, the church is only the church when it exists for others. And I just think that's such a challenge to us, isn't it? That as Mosaic, we are to be outward looking, not inward. Otherwise, we can't call ourselves the church. So ever since I was 17 and heard that uh, passionate preacher, um, I have been committed to the church. The penny really dropped for me. Um, And I know it's not perfect, and I know it's not always easy, but I'm committed to the church. But God's love for his bride goes back right through the Old Testament. We get hints of God's marriage to his people all the way through scripture. Um, And we're going to look at the story of Hosea. So Hosea was a prophet in the Old Testament and the book of Hosea, if you've never read it, it's it's amazing. Um, It's the story of God's redeeming love. God reaching out to his people in love saying, no matter what you do, even though you reject me, even though you mess up, I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm going to pursue you. And um, Let's have a look at some of the verses. So Hosea 1, verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman. Have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Hosea is this prophet, and God says, go marry a prostitute, and this will be a powerful illustration to my people who are being unfaithful. See, the Israelites were called to follow God, and they were unfaithful by worshipping other idols. And Goma is an unfaithful and adulterous wife. But, as we know, the Lord instructs Hosea, however, in Hosea 3, verse 1, the Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Forgive her when she's unfaithful. She is loved by another man and is an adulteress, but love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Hosea loves Goma, and he is to love her, he is to hold her, 
um, and he's to forgive her, and he's to keep her for her own precious, his own precious love. And it was an outrageous, powerful symbol of God's love for his people. You see, God in Hosea, God is Hosea in that story, and we um, are Goma. We are that unfaithful bride. And God's saying through the actions of Hosea and Goma, I married you as someone who was a harlot. I made you mine. And when you're unfaithful, I take you back. I love you. I pursue you. I want you. So God wants to marry a bride even when she's unfaithful because the bride is his beloved. We are God's beloved. No matter what, we are pursued, we are redeemed um, and loved. And so we see this theme all the way through the Old Testament, right the way up to Jesus. If you remember Matt's preach a few weeks ago with the nine pieces of card, the storyboards we looked at, and card number eight was uh, when Jesus came into human history. And we can remember that famous verse of John three sixteen: God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And so the story of God pursuing man ends in this wonderful crescendo of sacrifice and victory. When Jesus dies, the bridegroom laying down his life for the bride. God's priority is people. Starts with a marriage proposal. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to know him and to be added to his church, us, the precious bride. Um, and so that, those verses of John 3.16, they pose us a question saying, do you want to join the wedding feast? Do you believe in Jesus? And when we do, when we cross that line of faith, we get to be um, his bride. And then we're commanded, aren't we, to give that gift away, to invite others, to say, come on, there's a wedding feast. You're invited. And to hold out that invitation. So my second section then is our priority It's our priority to be inviting others to this wedding feast, to be sharing the good news and giving God's love away. So how does that affect us, like you and me, with our friends, with our family, with our colleagues? How do we make mission our priority? How do we make it our number one reason for living? Well, we might be prepared and adorned for that wedding day, but it doesn't mean we are not called to action. So imagine a bride in her wedding dress, and under the dress she has some wellies on like my picture. That is a a bit of a symbol of what we're called to be as a church. We are the bride, but we are called to action. Um, And so as we're stirred by God's priority for mission, how do we make his priority our priority? Um, So we're going to have a look at um, some of the epistles from Paul. Um, So 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at it in two sections. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's giving them some hardcore advice on mission, and he's reminding them of truth and encouraging them. So um, the first section is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to the end, so it's on the screen, or you can look it up. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation's come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he said, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So firstly, let's look at what Jesus has done for us in verses 18 to 28. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us that ministry of reconciliation. As Christians, Jesus reconciled us to God. Because of Jesus, I can be God's friend. I was once far away from God, and the wages of my sin was death. But now I am brought near. Reconciliation means to re-establish a close relationship with. And I was thinking about um, a, a way to exa- exemplify this. And I thought of my favorite ever Pixar movie, which has got to be Toy Story. Any fans? great. So that story is a story of reconciliation. You've got a toy, you've got Woody, and you've got his owner, Andy, and the whole film is this, you know, mad adventure of them trying to be reconciled to one another, and in the end, they are, and it's all good. (laughs) We get to be reconciled to God. We get to hold that reconciliation offer out to others. Paul isn't saying, just be reconciled to God and hang out. He's like, you're reconciled so that you can offer that reconciliation to other people. And so our challenge this morning is mission isn't a tag-on to us as a church. It is um, our priority, it must be our priority, to hold out a rescue as we've been rescued. Verse 20 says, we're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this is saying God makes his appeal through us through me. He uses me, but it's not all about me, which is such a relief. He uses Becky, but it's not about me, because I'd fail each and every time. There's such a sense of urgency in these verses. If we go on to um, chapter 6 of um, 2 Corinthians, um, let's just read that together. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right and in the left hand, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, Genuine, yet regarded as impostors. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten and not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Wow. There's such urgency in those verses. Verse 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. I urge you the gospel's not in vain. Don't be so vain as to keep the gospel for yourself. Like, what a challenge. He's, you know, he's being... He's not beating around the bushes, he poor, and he says, don't be vain, don't keep it to yourself. If the gospel reaches us and stops where we are, it's it's vanity. And I am preaching to us urgently this morning, don't be vain with the gospel. It must be our priority to to be sharing um, that mission, which is why, as Mosaic, we dedicate so much of our our preaching time to talking about mission. It is so important. Um, Verse 6 says, sincere love. So, we're thinking now practically. We're going to have a look at a few practical tips for everyday living to encourage you, um, to encourage all of us in our missional living. Um, verse 6 says, 
in purity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. So for all of us, can we be that person in life that is sincerely loving, that is really kind, um, whether that's work or university with our family, however that is. Um, I um, work for a school's work project and I've got a member of staff on my team called Alice and Alice is brilliant and she has earned herself this nickname and this nickname is Sunshine Alice. Um, for our job, we have to sign in on a lot of reception desks at schools. It's something we do a couple of times every day of the week. Um, and this one particular school have nicknamed Alice Sunshine Alice and they're like, she always talks to us and she always asks how we are and she always listens. She remembers my name. She remembers stuff I tell her about my family. She's offered to pray for us. So she's got herself this reputation as Sunshine Alice. I love that. Like, I want to be Sunshine Becky. I love it. <laughs> Um, and so for you, how, how can that be um, your priority? Maybe for you, it's you're the one that always gives lifts to your friend's kids, even though they might not offer to return that favour. Maybe for you, it's volunteering to look after your neighbour's cat or budgie when they go on holiday. It's such a challenge, isn't it, to be that person of sincere love, no matter how we're feeling as well. Secondly, verse 21 says, God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So we are God's co-workers. That means that we get to work in partnership with Holy Spirit, and he is always working, isn't he? He is always turning people's hearts to himself. We're reminded that we are co-workers. It's not just about us. We are co-workers with God. So I want to tell you a story to encourage you. I've got a friend who um, has moved to a Muslim closed country. Um, she moved there a year ago for work, and um, she's been living with a Muslim lady, um, and they've become really close friends, and now they would say they're like sisters. It's amazing. Um, around Christmas time, this friend um, came to my friend and said, um, I've been having these dreams since I was a little girl about Jesus. My friend was kind of jaw on the floor. Um, and now this Muslim lady's given her life to Jesus and is hopefully getting baptised this term, which is just amazing. And I just wanted to tell you that story as a reminder that Holy Spirit is our co-worker. He is working, he is moving, and he does amazing things. And we believe as a church in his gifts of um, the Holy Spirit that edify us as a church, but also exist to demonstrate his power um, and love to those outside who are not yet added to the bride and to the church. And this is something that I really want to grow in at the moment. I had a colleague the other day um, at work who was in quite a lot of pain with a knee problem, and I just felt my heart hammering and was like, offer to pray for her, offer to pray for her. And I didn't. And, you know, as I've said, it's about God, it's not about me, and that's okay. But I'm hungry to be stepping out and to be meeting Holy Spirit as his co-worker more. And I wonder how that story stirs you. I hope it gets you excited. I hope it helps you to look for those opportunities to prioritize mission. So our priority is mission. It's to invite others to the wedding feast. It's to hold out that invitation. Being salt, being light in our everyday lives. To being that loving, that kind person that demonstrates God's love. And remember that Holy Spirit is our co-worker. Finally, my final section is about the challenge of the priority. See, we don't want to spend all this time getting ready for a wedding and miss it. We don't want to be late. We, we want to be holding out this invitation 
to other people. Um, I have actually done this. I'm quite an early person. Anyone that knows me, I like to be pretty early for things. Um, I've had to learn to relax about that. Um, but there was a, a particular wedding at Mosaic where um, I was ready on time, okay? It wasn't me, but it was parking, and we were late, and I only just made it to the church before the bride went down the aisle. And it was really stressful. So, you know, we don't want to be late for that wedding. We don't want to miss that priority, spending too long getting ready and missing it. So I'm going to spend a bit of time challenging us in love of some of the things that might prevent us from making mission our priority, that might prevent us from holding out that invitation with passion and being excited for the wedding. And the first thing is, I think sometimes we can disqualify ourselves. Hosea's bride was far from perfect. But she, like us, she's still the bride. She's still the beloved. We are still welcomed in. And we mustn't disqualify ourselves as God's agents in mission. We are the hope for the world, his church. So, yeah, firstly then, thinking we're not qualified because maybe life's hard for us at the moment. Maybe we're sick. Maybe we're struggling. Maybe people close to us are hurting and broken. We know, don't we, that life has ups, but it has downs as well. Um, and verse 4 in 2 Corinthians says, like, it talks about hardship. The fact that unbelievers um, go through hardship, like we, we do suffer for Christ following him. Um, but the fact is, guys, that unbelievers are so much more likely to be attracted to a Christian living in hardship than one that's actually thriving, because it's reality, isn't it? We don't want to promote Christianity as just another quick fix. We want to be real in our weaknesses, in our troubles, with, our, with sharing our faith. Um, there's a guy called PJ Smythe who leads a big church in South Africa. He's part of our family of churches. And um, over the last 10 years, PJ Smythe's been um, suffering with cancer. And um, he testifies that for him and his wife, the opportunities for the gospel um, and for mission with their friends have been so much more fruitful in the last 10 years than in their, their 20 years previous of, of leading the church and um, sharing their faith with friends. So PJ's unbelieving friends that stood with him through cancer and that saw his battle with that made his faith and his testimony so much more effective as he was being real with them. So just to encourage us, like our real-life experiences don't disqualify us from sharing the gospel. They qualify us. They make... Um, our power, make the gospel all that more powerful as you share it in light of your story. So just that encouragement, don't disqualify yourself. Secondly, I think we can sometimes have a bit of restlessness about us, particularly if we don't know how long we're going to be in a certain place, um, particularly, I don't know, that, that season when you're a student and you're living in a certain place for a while, or maybe you've come to Leeds for work and you don't know how long you'll be here. Or for you, maybe you've been in Leeds for a while and you know that one day you are called elsewhere. Um, I, I sort of joke about this. I think, you know, it's not like if I can't be missional where I am now in my everyday life, when I get on a plane and fly to another country, it's not like it suddenly changes as we come out of British airspace. Mission is mission wherever we are. And so just to encourage you, if you're in that place of maybe a bit restless, not knowing how long you're with this particular church family or how long you're in Leeds, just to encourage you that being missional is the same wherever we are um, and just to challenge you um, out of that restlessness. Throw yourself into where you are, that job, that relationship with that neighbour. Investing. And finally, mission can't be our priority if other things are. 
Um, and we can all struggle with busyness, can't we? I know that as a family, we are a busy group of people. And busyness follows what it is that we're prioritizing. And for me, I know I can look at my diary. And if in a week, I haven't had dinner with one of my friends who aren't Christian yet, I know that for me, I need to readjust my priorities. Dan said a few weeks ago when he preached to us, we eat 21 meals a week. And so for me, it's making sure at least one of them is with a friend or a colleague that doesn't yet know him. What is it for you? You know, it's, um, we don't want to get caught up and legalistic about how we spend our time. And I'm not saying time with our Christian family is not important. Of course it is. But actually, you know, if we can go a week and not have the energy or time to go for a drink after work with our colleagues, can I gently suggest that we look at our priorities together? So, yeah, I'm just going to recap as we prepare to respond this morning. Um, so... Our priority of mission begins with a wedding proposal. God pursues you. He loves you. He's redeemed you. Even when we're not perfect, he has pulled us to himself. And as we grasp God's love for us, we get to be the bride. We get to be the church and join this family together. And then we, in turn, make that our priority and hold out that wedding invitation to that feast to our friends and to um, those that don't yet know him. Are you excited about the wedding? Are you getting ready? Are you getting prepared for holding out that invitation to the feast? Because it's an urgent message and we don't want to miss the party. Um, So I'll invite the band back up. Um, Can you stand with me as we get ready to worship and respond? And I'm I'm just going to give us three options of um, ways to help us think about our response. And then we're going to worship for a little bit. Um, firstly, have you accepted that wedding proposal? Maybe you're on a journey of faith today. Maybe you're visiting or maybe you know that actually you haven't crossed that line of trusting Jesus yet. Can I just welcome you and say, you know, Jesus so loves you and we'd love to be part of um, helping you cross that line of faith today and we'd, be, we'd love to pray with you. Um, secondly, like if you've never encountered Holy Spirit for yourself, like, he's the one that equips us for mission. That's what the point of today is. Like, it's not something we can muster up ourselves, a to-do list or head knowledge. It is him that fills us and equips us. So if you've never encountered Holy Spirit, we, um, with our team of, of prayer servants that are here this morning, they're going to be off to my left. We would love to pray for you to meet Holy Spirit. And then finally, for all of us, There's such a call um, to be thirsty. Like, Holy Spirit never runs out. There's always more of him. And he wants to fill us and equip us today. Amen. 